Welcome to the Chasing Curiosity with Chels podcast. I am your host, Chelsea Holden, and I am currently living in Spring, Texas. I created this podcast to inspire you to chase your curiosities in life and to get the most out of it. So in this podcast, over the episodes, we will be talking about everything from self-development to relationships, entrepreneurship, and adventure. Plus, I will also interview those who inspire me and to pique my curiosity. So without further ado, let's get into today's show. Hey there, everybody. This is a weird intro, but we're going with it. You are listening to episode number six. Let's talk about relationships. Let's talk about relationships. I wanted to share just a little bit about my relationships and some core values and things that I really feel I've done the work on over the years that produce long lasting and fruitful, meaningful relationships. I have been married to my husband, Ronnie, for a little over five years now, and we have been together for almost 10. May will be 10 years since I first met Ronnie, since he first walked into Berry Hill and sat down at my bar when I was bartending. Oh, does that feel like so long ago? We have lived such a full life in these short 10 years. And while we've been through many highs and some pretty low lows, I wouldn't change it for the world. We are doing better than we ever have before, in my opinion. And I am just so grateful to have a husband who respects me and loves me and truly allows me to be myself. I think that that's so important in any relationship. I think that loving somebody enough to let them express themselves how they want to, to live their life fully and how, how they truly desire and what fuels them is such an amazing gift. And I pray that each of you get to experience that with a partner for life. Ronnie is definitely mine. So wanted to start out with just kind of a little background on me and relationships and kind of growing up. And I definitely kissed many frogs, as I like to say. I mean, not a crazy amount, y'all. Come on. But, you know, I've, I've kissed a few frogs before I found Ronnie. And yeah, so growing up, I was pretty nerdy. Let's just say I was a total geek. I had a mushroom haircut and Coke bottle glasses. And maybe that was the look back then in the 90s. I don't know. I thought it was cool. Obviously, that's why I did it. But it definitely didn't help me with the fellas, you know, pretty much super nerdy until about eighth grade. And then, you know, I lost the glasses and got contacts and oh gosh, I think I put a perm in that year and made the cheerleading squad. So needless to say, I started to build a little more confidence and started to really seek some attention, I think, from the opposite sex. Um, In 
freshman year, I had my first boyfriend ever, and that was really just hanging out and walking through the halls and having lunch together. And freshman year is when I had my first kiss. And I don't know about you, but first kisses are not all they're cracked up to be. I'm sorry. Like that... That was just, needless to say, it wasn't anything to write home about. And that relationship was, you know, it's it's puppy, quote unquote, love, you know. I, I didn't know what the heck I was doing. I There was a boy that liked me and he asked me to be his girlfriend and we went to a dance together. And that's pretty much how that went. But I dated, you know, a few fellas in high school and nothing really panned out. You know, I had my first love and that left me really heartbroken. He did not end up being the one for me, which it hindsight, you know, you always look back and realize these things later, but in the moment and especially a teenage girl, like it's so devastating. I remember many nights crying and in my room or having a crush on somebody and they didn't reciprocate that at all and just not really feeling worthy, you know, and not even until my adult years did I feel that way. And I think a lot of it has to do with, I mean, truly has to do with, I I didn't even know myself, you know, I didn't fully love myself enough. So the relationships that I had just weren't of the quality that I deserved, that anybody deserves really. You know, had another serious-ish relationship um, out of high school when I moved to Austin and that didn't last. He was a great guy, but you know, just wasn't, wasn't the one again. And then, so I lived in Austin, had that relationship, moved back home and then got into a relationship for six years with a guy. That was probably the hardest one that I've ever been in. It was one of the lowest points in my life. That relationship, while there was some good things, not all that I can really remember, but obviously there was some reason I stayed for as long as I did. It was pretty abusive. It was emotionally abusive. It was physically abusive. It, I lost myself in that relationship. I became a person I thought somebody else wanted me to be. You know, I did things I never thought I would have done before. I sacrificed my happiness and my health and my worth for somebody else to try to hold on to this basically just this figment of a relationship, you know, the idea of a relationship and the fact that we had been together for, you know, six years and well, we must get married soon, you know, thankfully we didn't get married. And thankfully I never got pregnant during that time. It definitely taught me what I didn't want in a relationship. And I think that that's so important, you know, with anything in life, when bad stuff happens to us, we really need to have a perspective shift that it's also happening for us, meaning to ask the questions, what can I learn from this? How can I grow from what's going on? You know, 
that relationship, as futile as it was, showed me the woman I did not want to be and allowed me to see that I did deserve better and that I deserved somebody to love me as much as I loved them and to treat me well, (laughs) to treat me well, to treat me more than well. You know, I needed somebody to be my best friend. But that relationship also got me to Houston. That ex-boyfriend is the reason why I'm here in the Houston area now. And I wouldn't have met my husband had I not moved to Houston or made the amazing friends that I have now had I not moved here. My life would probably look completely different. And so, you know, when I look back at any area of my life, not just relationships, you know, I'm, I made a lot of poor choices. I'm not going to lie. I did a lot of stupid crap. I disappointed myself and my family, but at the end of the day, I I can't sit here and say that I regret it because it's gotten me to this point where I'm at now, you know, and and I love my life now. I, I love who I am and the woman I'm becoming and this new awakening that I'm having and the position that I'm in now to be able to share my stories with others in order to serve humanity. So that relationship got me to Houston, like I was saying, and I met Ronnie. And it's funny because I was reading an old journal entry. This was this was years back. I think like when Ronnie and I probably first started dating. So we met and I already had plans to move to Austin because my sister, her and her husband were having their first child and I wanted to be close to them. I wanted to be close to my nephew and nothing was really keeping me here in Houston. So I made plans to move. I I got an apartment already. Um, I had a job lined up and then in walks Ronnie to my bar (laughs) 10 years ago on Mother's Day. I know it's weird that I know all of that, but whatever. It's cute and cheesy. (laughs) So in walks Ronnie and I'm like, well, great. That's, you know, back then that was like, that's just my look. Like here's this perfect guy for me and I'm moving to Austin. So we did long distance for six months. We would drive back and forth and had such a blast in that time though. It was, it was worth it. It made me really appreciate the time that I did have with him. And it made me work hard in the times that we weren't together too, which I think was valuable. I think, you know, before and past relationships, I would get so lost in them that I'd kind of put everything else on the back burner. You know, I'd just be all about pleasing that other person. So I remember sitting in my apartment in Austin, you know, when Ronnie and I were just still noobs in our relationship and reading an old journal entry. And it was a prayer that was just asking God to send me a man with these characteristics. And all the characteristics that I read were exactly the characteristics that Ronnie held. And even he has more than I even could have imagined, right? He's more of a perfect partner than for me than I could have ever imagined. And it's so crazy to think about that now, you know, over the last few months, I've really been diving into the idea of manifesting. And I believe that we do manifest things into our life, both good and bad. The more negative 
spin we put on things and the more negative talk we have with ourselves, the more we cultivate that same negativity. It's the energy around the thoughts that create more of it. Um, I truly believe that. So while I didn't know what I was doing back then, I definitely manifested my husband. <laughs> so it's kind of crazy to think about, but I believe that that's what happened. And it's, it's pretty beautiful. But, you know, I went through a lot of heartbreak before I found Tim, and that made me put up some walls. So even in the first parts of Ronnie and I dating, I had these walls up. I didn't want to be vulnerable. I wasn't sure about letting someone in. And for for me, I'm a, on the Enneagram, I'm a number two. I'm a helper. I pretty much wear my heart on my sleeve fully. So for me to not be fully vulnerable was not fully being myself. And I don't think until I broke those walls down and really let someone love me that I came alive. You know, I came alive after that. It's scary. You know, it's not, it's always scary when you enter a new release. It's exciting and fun, but it's also scary, you know, because if it's something you want to hold on to and want to last for a while, you know, you, you don't want to mess it up. That was my fear. Like, I don't want to fuck this up. Excuse my French. But I didn't. And while our relationship isn't perfect by any means, we are perfect for each other. And I believe that we work so well together because we laid some solid foundations for ourselves. And I think this is true for any relationship. I think it's true for marriages, for friendships, and, you know, even working relationships. I think you have to share core values with the other person. You have to share some beliefs. And in romantic relationships, you need to be friends. I feel like I've seen too many couples that they're married, but you don't even know if they like each other, you know, and it's sad. It's really sad. And how, how, how can you live your life with somebody if you're not even friends with them? You know, and I think that that comes from not having a solid foundation with them. Ronnie and I's foundation is in our faith. We're Christians and we took some steps before we were married in order to really build a solid foundation. And one of those was that we lived apart for six months before we got married. So we were living together as most couples do. I had lived with two other past relationships before. Ronnie was engaged before me. And we had lived a lot of lives before we met each other. We met each other later than a lot of people do. Ronnie was 30. I was 28, about to be 29 when we met. So like I said, we had lived a lot of life together and we were living together and had been for probably a couple of years, two or three years when we got engaged. And our church prosed their thought and their practice that they would not marry couples that were living together because this is what the Bible said. And Ronnie and I wanted to be married by our church. And at first we were caught off guard by this idea. You know, we kind of took not offense to it. I don't want to say that, but it was just like, well, what are we supposed to do? I mean, A, who's going to go? 
if we don't live together, how are we going to be able to afford two different rents? You know, we're getting married in six months. So kind of like, what's the point? Why? But the more we thought about it, the more we both came to the conclusion that this was our way of surrendering our relationship to God and to telling him fully that we had full faith that his plan was greater than ours. And so without knowing it, I think at the time, but being more aware now, I think we basically said like, okay, we are trusting in you. We are choosing to walk this walk. So if this is what you want for us, make it happen. And once we decided that it wasn't, but like, a week later that we got in touch with somebody at our church who put us in touch with another couple that ended up actually doing our marriage counseling. And this couple, the Walkers, and Walker is my maiden name, so it's kind of a running joke that I'm their quote unquote adopted daughter. But we met with the Walkers and the next day I moved into their house. Crazy, right? Not knowing these people from the next door neighbor, you know, we didn't, we didn't know them, but we trusted and we surrendered. So I lived with the Walkers for six months while Ronnie stayed in our rental house and I still helped him pay rent and I paid a little rent at the Walkers. But it was the most beautiful time for me and my space to have the space to cultivate a deeper relationship with God to strengthen my spirituality and the same for Ronnie. And most people would think, you know, if you live apart, then what's going to happen to your relationship? You know, what does that mean? I mean, what, we're just not supposed to be together. We're not supposed to do this. Like we're getting married. Like that's just going to create this divide in our relationship when in reality, it brought us closer together. And we were able to use that testimony to talk with another couple who is made the same decision as us and decided to separate living separation, not as in a couple, but decided to live apart before they got married. And I think they had like three months before they got married when they were approached with this. And now they're happily married and they have two kiddos and it strengthened, strengthened, strengthened their relationship with each other, but also their relationship with Christ. And I'm not going to preach at you this whole time, but I just want to, I just want to tell you my story and why I believe that because Ronnie and I made that sacrifice, which really now hindsight didn't really feel like a sacrifice, we built a solid foundation. We shared the same core belief and the same core values that we need to put more and put more faith in a higher power than, than our own. That foundation has gotten us through some pretty tough times. It got us through a move to Colorado and back within three months, like literally packing up our whole house, moving it three months later, doing the exact same thing and moving back to Houston. It got us through 2017. So for those of you that know me, you know this story and you've probably heard it a few times and I'll just do a quick recap again. 2017, Ronnie and I bought our first home in spring and six months later, Hurricane Harvey happened and we lost pretty much everything. We got six feet of water in the house. Luckily, we were able to get a few things. We got both of our cars, we got our dogs, and we had ourselves. 
and lost the house though. So in that time of Hurricane Harvey, Ronnie was doing insurance adjusting. So he was getting inundated with claims and, and work. And we got a call from his dad that his mother was in the hospital. So while having to deal with this catastrophe and this flood and holy crap, what are we supposed to do now? We drove to Wichita Falls. We had to go be with his mom. And Harriet, Ronnie's mother, was in and out of the hospital a few times over the next month. And that next month after the storm, she ended up passing away. And the devastation from that was immense. I don't know if you can ever fully recover from losing someone close to you, losing a family member. You know, you you just learn how to work through it and how to keep on walking. And and we did. And then a couple months later, my father went into the hospital and ended up passing away too. So both of us lost a parent within two months of each other. And I don't know if I would have been able to get through it without Ronnie and vice versa. I think I can speak for him in that sense too. But I also know and can say with full faith that we definitely wouldn't have gotten through it and be where we are today with a marriage that's stronger than ever if we didn't have a solid foundation. So 2017 was pretty hard. There was some more things that happened. My um, little sister was diagnosed with brain cancer. Ronnie lost his grandfather all in that same year. And then we ended up having to find a new home. So, you know, just compounding heartache and stress and all of that. But we had each other. I had my best friend. I had my husband to lean on. And I think a lot of people that don't have a marriage or a relationship built on solid ground will end up crumbling. You know, in real estate, we look at houses and foundation, and it's one thing that really freaks buyers out when they see cracks in the walls. And it's, you know, they worry about the foundation and rightfully so, because if your foundation isn't solid, it doesn't matter how great the house is built on top of it, it's going to start crumbling. So I'm sure I've driven that point home. <laughs> and I just want to share a couple of tools that have also worked for us that I believe can be helpful for you. And we did premarital counseling. So the walkers who I lived with also did our premarital counseling. I think that really helped kind of set the tone for our marriage because when you take time to answer some questions, some hard questions too, questions about in-laws, questions about how you're going to handle your money, questions about how many children do each of you want to have and what's important to you. These questions we don't a lot of times ask ourselves. I mean, especially when we're dating, you know, we may ask more superficial questions. Maybe they come up. But I think it's so important to have an outside person. And we were lucky enough to have a couple that has been married for a really long time that could be a mentor to us in this sense. A couple that has already been through more than what we had in that point. Their relationship was much more mature than ours was. So they were able to speak from their experiences as well. 
So I believe in counseling and I definitely think that it's such a valuable thing that everybody can incorporate. So whether you had premarital counseling or not, it's never too late to go and talk to somebody now. Another great thing that we did was we read the five love languages. So some of you may be familiar with this book. It is amazing. I will put a link for it in the show notes if you haven't read it. It's a New York Times bestseller written by Gary Chapman. And it's called The Five Love Languages, The Secret to Love That Lasts. This book basically outlines five different love languages. And we all have the love languages. We have all of them. But there's either one or two that are more prevalent than the others one or two that are of higher need than the others. So for example, let me give you the five love languages first. So number one is words of affirmation. Then you have quality time. You have receiving gifts, acts of service, and physical touch. Okay, so words of affirmation, quality time, gifts, acts of service, physical touch. So for me, my love languages My number one is words of affirmation. Hello, I love to talk. (laughs) Words of affirmation is my number one. I believe fully in telling people that you love them and that you care about them and encouraging others and inspiring others and spreading love through your words. That's me. That is to my core, basically who I am. It's also Enneagram number two, right? So Words of affirmation is how I show love, and it's also how I receive love. So I feel the most loved. My cup, my love tank, as he coins it, gets full when I have words of affirmation poured on me. So when anybody, not just my husband, but it's really meaningful when it comes from my husband, but when anybody tells me, that I'm doing a great job, that they love me, that they're so glad to know me, you know, whatever it is, it fills me so much that I really feel loved and it allows me then to pour more love out. Another one that's high up for me is physical touch. So a lot of times when I'm having conversations with people too, I will, you know, have a conversation and I'll touch them on the shoulder or I'll connect with them. Or if it's, you know, I'm having an intimate conversation with a girlfriend, you know, I'll hold their hands or just to let them know that I'm there, that I care, that I love them. And I do that through physical touch. So again, you know, hugs, I'm a big hugger. So if I ever get to meet you in person, please come give me a hug. Don't be all weird about it, but you know, (laughs) but so those are my two. Now, Ronnie, on the other hand, is acts of service. So Ronnie will not get as much out of me telling him how much I love him as if I were to just help do things, you know, to be of service to him in whatever that looks like. You know, I, I also think Ronnie's number two is quality time because there's so many times when he asks me to come help him like out in the garage if he's working on a project and he's sitting there trying to figure things out and working all this magic in his head and sometimes I'm just kind of standing around but I think he truly loves when I'm just there and spending quality time with him right 
So you give love how you receive love. It's a great book. If you haven't read it, I highly recommend that you do. Gary Chapman is just awesome too. He's got several different programs out there and I think you can get probably weekly emails from him too if you go to his website and sign up. Another great book that really helped me, especially when Ronnie and I were going through a little bit of a tough time, I reached out to my mentors, the Walkers, and she reminded me of this book, Love and Respect by Dr. Emerson Egrich. This one is amazing. The concept is that women's one driving need is to feel loved and men's one driving need is to feel respected. So that can work not just in a marriage, but it can work in any meaningful relationship between a man and a woman. So women need to feel loved and men need to feel respected. And when I heard this, it makes so much sense. He goes on to tell stories, you know, and and has so many testimonies of people saying how, man, I could have used this like eight years ago. I could have used this so long ago in my marriage, you know, we would have been better off. But the idea is, and how I like to think of it is, you know, when I need to feel loved or, or say that I love you, You know, I'm saying I love you because that's what I need to hear back. But those words don't resonate the same on my male counterpart. If I choose to say instead, I respect you, he will get the same sensation. His cup will be full in the same way that mine would be if he were to say, I love you. I hope that makes sense. Love and Respect, I have the audio version of this book and it's a great listen to. I remember listening to it driving from Houston to Seguin to my parents' house. And I'm telling you, it just resonated. It made something click and shift for me. And now I am more intentional about telling Ronnie that I respect him and choosing to find ways to show respect as well. Like it's not enough to just say the words, right? We have to also show it with our actions and probably even more so with our actions. So another, you know, that's one of the main reasons why I quit drinking because I, the drunken Chelsea was not respecting of my husband. Okay. And I want him to feel loved because I truly love him and I want him to feel respected. So like I said, I I feel like this principle can work between any dynamic between a man and a woman. And then the last book that I want to share is called The Seven Principles for Making Marriage Work, and it's by Dr. John Gottman. I personally have not read this book in its entirety, but I have several friends that have. And Dr. John Gottman, he actually, there is the Gottman Method that a lot of counselors and therapists use when working with people in relationships. So feel free to look that up. Again, I will link all of this in the show notes for you to do some research on. And then lastly, if you want just a great podcast to listen to, Rachel and Dave Hollis have the Rise Together podcast. It is super fun and entertaining, and they truly just tell their story together as a couple in it. And you're able to see yourself in them, at least for me. I'm able to see my relationship in them and how they work through some of the things that many relationships can face over time. So with any relationship, 
Again, whether it's a marriage, whether it's a friendship or a work relationship, really ask yourself what your values are and if that person shares the same values. That's going to set the solid foundation. Also, be true to yourself. Don't lose yourself in somebody else and find a partner, find a relationship that encourages you to be yourself. Ronnie allows me to be fully me and I allow him to be fully him. And we're not always perfect, far from it. But the beauty of someone else is all of their goodness and their quirks. And if you can love somebody for both of those, then I have no doubts that it'll work. So I hope that you found this episode enlightening for you. Maybe it's allowed you to kind of take a step back and take a look at your own relationships. Maybe there's some areas on yourself that you can work. Maybe these books are a great starting point. But I would love to hear from you. I would love it if you would hit that subscribe button, share this episode with anybody that may need to hear this message as well today. And I am so excited for the next episode. Love and light. Adios.